It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who has been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive. I'm so glad you tuned in. I am your host, Ken Chester. As usual, we have plenty to talk about and discuss, so I'm going to want to get right to it. But first, if you are a first-time listener or not, it's easy to add your voice to the conversation. Call or text me on the Roadworthy Drive line. That number, 872-222-9793. That number is good 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If email is your thing, I got you covered there, too. My address is ken at roadworthydrive.com. Either way... I want to hear from you. In studio, as always, is the Roadworthy Drive crew, my friend and executive producer, Jack at the Controls, and our very own social media diva, Sasha, holding it down on mic, too. Howdy, people. Hello. Howdy. How are we doing? We we're doing good. We're doing, we're doing okay. Um, did not have a meeting between shows with the suits, so you're happy about that. I am ecstatic, sir. Yeah. Ecstatic. I'm sure, I'm sure you are. So, mm-hmm. let's get... In the parts bin. You really? I, I have, really? I have a question. Really? In the parts bin. Okay. I have a question. Yes, sir. What is your question? Um, what is Ford's better idea now? Well, we're going to get to that. That's going to well, be a little. get to it. Uh, yes, but that'd be a little later. I'm not going to get to it right now. Okay. Why is it I'm, never mind, I read the script wrong. What's in the parts bin? There you go. <laughs> it's amazing what happens when people attend the pre-production meetings. I was here. Yes, but were you here? <laughs> no, because I'm not all there, but move on. Okay. Um, here you go. Uber launches the express pool to conquer the commute. Um, Uber is launching its latest innovation in ride hailing, the one it has spent the last year spinning up. Um, basically, it's kind of like carpooling, but more. Okay. Uh this is the way it kind of works. They said it should save riders money as well as time. Uh, the express pool pairs fares that they're using are 50% cheaper than your standard pool ride and up to 75% cheaper compared to Uber X. Basically, you want to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they see who else is going in that direction. And they may have you walk a block or to the nearest corner. And you'll ride with these other people to that place and then finally walk where you're going. Um, it's kind of like carpooling, kind of not, but they think it's going to be one. They think it's going to work. They, they tested it. Um, I think they tested it in uh, San Francisco and Boston first. Okay. They're now rolling it out in Philadelphia, Washington, DC, Miami, Denver, and Los Angeles. And of course, San Diego. Of course. Uh, Of course. So that's what's supposed to happen. Um, the issue though. Is, is this going to really put a crimp in regular public transportation? Because really, public transportation is what you do. You go to a corner, you go to a bus stop right, or a train stop. You take the train to where you're going, then you get off and you walk wherever you need to go. Correct. And there's some question about that. Um, a recent study from the Shared Use Mobility Center looked at data from a large unnamed Royal Haid service, likely Uber or Lyft, <laughs> in six major cities and determined that, yeah, Trips spike between 7 p.m. on midnight 
and the hours of Fridays and Saturdays. But what they're looking for is to spread that out. They want more business on other times of the day. Hence, Uber Express Pool. Okay. Food for thought there. That's kind of as far I, as I'm I just go see a that. couple problems with that. Can you? Because I don't even know how to say this. Go for it. In English. Um, that too. Slowly. Um, it's a thing. If I get in a vehicle mm-hmm. and there are people in that vehicle mm-hmm. who my sense is they make me uncomfortable. Then you get out of the That's going to be a really rough ride for me. Yeah. Yeah, well, but that happens on public transportation. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much regular. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, when I lived in Boston, went to college back in the day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Friday nights on the T. Oh, yeah. On my way home with my new bride. Yeah, mm-hmm. the drunk kids get in and throw up right in front of you. That's a lot of fun. No, it's not. Yeah. Happened. It's a thing. Okay, we're one. Okay. <laughs> Guess he didn't like that, Sasha. Right? I'm not. I'm not thinking that there was a lot of love for that story. Yeah, uh, no. I thought it was very heartwarming. I, indeed. I especially liked the drunk kids part. I'm sure you did. Uh, how about parking systems? We'll talk about parking systems. Parking systems. They reduce accidents. Parking assist systems reduce accidents. Uh, assist systems. Okay. Yeah. When he said parking assistance, I thought he was talking about valet. Right. That's what or, I was thinking. Or the or the equipment that takes. In the parking garages that take take your uh, feet. Take, yeah. Have you ever seen one of those, actually? What? I've seen a couple of those in Germany where it's totally automated. You you move your car in, mm-hmm. it lifts it up, turns it around, parks it in a spot all automatically. Yep. And, of course, we talked about that uh, Porsche building down that they're building down in Miami that does yep. the same thing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But we're not talking about that. So we're talking okay. about that little button that will finally allow me to um, parallel park. Uh, no, although there are vehicles that do that. I know. I want one. Uh, yes, but we're not talking about that either. Oh. Sorry. What, okay. we're ta- what we're talking about is parking assist systems like a rear view camera. Oh. Okay. Now, have one of those. Rear view cameras have been around, believe it or not, and I did not know this, since 2002. What? Yes. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I didn't know um, According to the Highway Loss Data Institute which is uh, a part of the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, mm. they say that any new system or device takes about 30 years to be adopted by most of the vehicles. To become standard? Not so much standard, but to be found in most about 95% of the vehicles on the road. Okay. All right. So you're looking at about 250 million vehicles, 95% of that. Okay. Now, these they expect that rearview cameras will be in at least half of the vehicles on the road in America by 2021. And they're considering NHTSA, which is the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, uh, considers the technology a way to reduce backover crashes involving children and pedestrians. Okay, I can I can see that, but I want to go back, back to your earlier point. Mm-hmm. Right now, other than what I'm going to call the, the uh, starting point cars, as in models. Okay. You probably don't have it, but you're getting closer to the middle of the road with that becoming a standard feature, having that rear view camera? Yeah. They expect 50% of the vehicles on the road, or 125 million vehicles, mm-hmm. to have that at, uh, equipped with that by 2021. But don't you, don't you think in this model year that you're over 50% of the vehicles now? No. Really? I, I think that, well, most of your vehicles being sold now have it. 
Correct. That's only 17 million vehicles as opposed to 250 million vehicles. I understand that. But what I'm saying is they're more common than they used to be. Because they're standard on more vehicles than they used to be. In the early days, it was extra cost. Today, they're standard. And there's a reason for that. May 2018, NHTSA will require them on cars. Oh. Yeah. So, and the, so now we're talking entry level and up. Yeah, which in most cases, they're already standard. The vehicle I'm driving now, which is a sub, which is a compact car, right, has it. And in fact, vehicles that I've been driving, new vehicles have had it for some time. It's rare that a vehicle doesn't have it. I'd say probably the last three to four years of most of the vehicles that I've evaluated mm-hmm. as a journalist have had rear the rear drive cameras. Now, other systems... That are coming into being are rear parking sensors, blind spot monitoring, lane departure warning, forward collision warning, adaptive headlights, which killed me because adaptive headlights were actually invented by Preston Tucker. Yep. In 1948. And for those of you who are too young, <laughs> what that means is when you turn the car in whichever direction, the <laughs> lights turned with you. Yeah. Except on the Tucker, they had a middle light that did that. We, we call that... Um, adaptive front lighting headlights. Yep. Fancy term. Uh, automatic emergency braking, which is the newest one. However, again, NHTSA requires that to be standard by 2022. Companies are adopting that ahead of time. Just like they adopted a lot of the safety features NHTSA required as of 2011, a lot of vehicles had it by 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. So that usually when it comes to safety, um, they take a step ahead. In the case of, and I'm naming this name, Toyota, they've taken the liberty to make a lot of this stuff standard across their lineup, even down to their least expensive cars. Yep. So there is some hope. But they say that uh, NHTSA thinks that one out of six accidents could be prevented due to this, due to rear rear view cameras. Well, and I would would agree with them because I know for one thing it makes – my backing up a whole lot easier when I can look at that camera and know actually where my truck is. Add to that emergency braking behind that uh, that has the ability to stop, even if you didn't see it, not a bad thing. Next up, Ford's better idea about mobility. You are listening to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. This is Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. It's a compact. Unexpected extras and unexpected luxury make Valiant a win-you-over-buy. Up 
front, plenty of power. Yet it's the compact that still carries a compact price. Plymouth is out to win you over this year. Follow your heart to your Plymouth dealer today. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Roadworthy Drive. Welcome. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Over the last few years, I've been talking about the evolution of transportation choices here in the United States. Both General Motors and the Ford Motor Company several years ago declared that the current model of individual vehicle ownership was, and this is their words, no longer sustainable. Their words, I'm, I want to say this again, this has been their model for the first 100 plus years yep. of their existence. And they declared, both companies said, the model of individual vehicle ownership was no longer sustainable. Yep. In fact, both Ford and Toyota are pivoting to be known as mobility companies as opposed to being vehicle manufacturers. And I thought I would examine and discuss how and what Ford is doing, for example, uh, with regards to that pivot. And I start with this. Ford paves a path from big automaker to big operating system. Okay, it sounds like they're getting into computers now. Uh-huh. Now the company that helped put a car or two and an occasional truck in every garage wants to be something else altogether, an operating system. With the power of AI... Uh, Artificial intelligence. Thank you. And the rise of autonomous connected vehicles for the first time in a century... We have mobility technology that won't just incrementally improve the old system, but can completely disrupt it. That was said by Ford CEO Jim Hackett at the Consumer Electronics Show this year. A total redesign of the surface transportation system with humans and the community at the center. In wow. fact, Ford said they would put less effort into convincing people to plunk down their credit cards for personal cars even though it's still important, and more into moving them from point A to point B with a little Ford badge tucked on or whatever gets them there. There you go. Canvas. That... No, I didn't. I didn't. What? Nothing. Canvas? Did no. I hear canvas? No, you didn't. Canvas. Mm -hmm. Just saying canvas. Yeah, I understand. Let it go. <laughs> no kidding. It's a turbulent time. And they got to keep making money today while investing for the future. And we've talked about some companies that we're convinced ain't going to get there. No. <coughs> so, but what I like about Ford and what I'm going to take a few more minutes to talk about is Ford's approach. Ford is approaching this like a tech company. And what a tech company does is they will take and look at promising technologies mm -hmm. and invest across. Ford is even coming up with their own investment incubator called Ford X, where they will actually put money in and nurture small promising companies with future technology. Okay, what kind of future technology are we actually looking at? Well, let's talk about the two companies they just bought. Okay. Uh, one is called um, Auto Autonomic, Autonomic uh, which uh, has a cloud-based platform called the Transportation Mobility Cloud. It's kind of a they want to build an uh, an iOS for cities managing data and transactions between city dwellers and agencies and companies that provide get this payment processing, route mapping, mass transit and city infrastructure services. That's just for openers. 
The other company they bought is called Translock. They help make software for city, to help cities, corporate campuses, and universities manage what? Their transportation systems from traditional fixed route service to on-demand ride-ailing apps, apps like Uber and Lyft. I like that. Why? Because, again, the mosaic I keep talking about of mobility, nobody sitting here today knows. And it's not going to be one size fits all. It just isn't going to be. There's going to be a lot of different things that work in different parts of the country for different people in different situations. What the Ford Motor Company is attempting to do is saying, hey, mosaic, we want to be a piece of that mosaic. So we're going to invest over a wide variety of different options to try to put together something comprehensive that will address the many different needs, changes, desires, uh, loads, uh, however, for the future. Okay, here's a question that I have. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes back to where Sasha lives in -hmm. the the rural area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It just seems like to me right now. The rural area. Out there. Out there with those people. In the middle of flyover country. Wow. (laughs) Okay. They call this the middle of flyover country. I I understand that. However, what I want to go back to is it almost seems like to me that the car companies are – saying, oh, we're going to do this in the cities. Well, we're going to do this in the cities, but nobody's talking about how this is going to affect the people who live in the rural areas. But you know what? If anybody would figure it out, it would be Ford. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I mean, I'm not trying to plug anything, but they, a, a large tarp that is used for both uh, <laughs> tents and, uh, you know. To... Uh, for, the, for those of y'all <laughs> that may not know, you've heard us drop the word. Canvas is Ford's. <laughs> subscription-based service that they have developed in San Francisco and Los Angeles. You need to plug this correctly. Yes. Canvas is the future of automotive options. Right now, excuse me, (laughs) right now they're in two cities. But it's a subscription service that will not only let you get a car, but Sasha loves the economics of it so much, she lost her mind when I reported it. Yes. This completely yes, lost her mind. But anyway, it goes to my point um, with something like that service. Mm-hmm. If I live out in the rural and I'm getting ready to send my child off to college, it makes more sense to me for the money that I pay for a Canvas type subscription so my child doesn't have to worry about oil changes, tires, if they hit something. All that's included for the one price that I'm paying for them a month. Okay, but let me make these points before we go to break. Um, for its whole plan, bring life back to the cities by accelerating our delivery of mobility services and ch- through changes we're making today, we are enabling that revival, enhancing our competitiveness, and creating long-term value for Ford shareholders. And all I got to say is imagine 50 years from now what the transportation mosaic may look like. And Ford has covered it. Uh, Ford X, I talked about, a mobility business group, mobility platforms and products, and mobility marketing and growth. These are the four areas Ford is focusing on. So they're doing more than, than just talking about it. They're putting where their, their money where their mouth is. And I really like their approach because they realize that the future is not one size fits all. When I come back, I know a guy. I think your car is connected. This is Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive.
Drive with Ken Chester is America's premier automotive news and information talk show. now in the back 40 of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Ken Chester. For those of you that desire more than your fair share of the road, not to worry. Check out the show website. That's roadworthydrive.com. Find audio clips of past shows, videos of our behind-the-scenes going on in studio as we produce the show, and more. The website is a great place to discover what we're doing to keep you current between shows in the world of social media. Sasha's a social media diva who keeps things light and lively as she posts timely and topical automotive news and technology. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter to see how she keeps the social in our social media. Ain't that right, Sasha? That is absolutely correct, yes. I know that's right. The connected car, people. You know, everybody jokes about, I know a guy. Uh... Your car knows the guy, too. The problem is the car shares what they know about you, and that could be the problem. Unlike the self-driving or autonomous car of the near future, pretty much any vehicle that is 2011 model year or newer is connected. GPS, Bluetooth, even a Wi-Fi hotspot, you're connected up, and guess what? The world is connected to you. I thought I'd talk about that a bit. Uh, let me jump to an example, because I'm curious to see how Jack would feel about this. And Jack, how do you feel? Wait a minute. I'm going to ask him the question. Oh, I set I, it up yet. I feel a rant coming on. <laughs> okay, then. Picture this, Jack. You're driving home from work, contemplating what to make for dinner. And as you idle at a red light near your neighborhood pizzeria, an ad offering $5 off a pepperoni pie pops up on your dashboard screen. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. I'd feel a little weird how so right now on my phone mm-hmm. if i'm in facebook or especially youtube mm-hmm. i get ads all the time and it does nothing but make me angry mm-hmm. but what if you're hungry dude that's a 24 hour seven day a week experience <laughs> for me <laughs> so you're saying if you're in the mood for pizza you take the five dollars off and head make the left turn to the pizzeria uh, not without talking to Leanne first. Okay. Uh, in case you're wondering, Leanne's the missus. The missus. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That, Mrs. Jack. Yeah, we got that. Happy wife, happy life. There you go. Smart man, actually. Um, but this is part of what could happen. Well, it's part of what is happening, isn't it? Um, not yet to the cars. It's happening. Like you said, Facebook does it. Uh, YouTube y- does it. Uh, Yahoo does it. Google does it. Yep. yep. So... Are you comfortable? What about you, Sasha? No. When, not at all. Why not? Um, if I pre-program my phone to tell me about new places that I have not tried yet, mm-hmm. uh, mom and pop's single ownership, and if I'm able to pre-program it that way, absolutely, I'd be okay with that. Let's say I'm in a city. Let's say I'm in, you know, where we're at now, Des Moines, mm-hmm. and I want to go to a family-owned mom and pop's business, mm-hmm. okay? Non-franchised. They own it. They're in the back. That's where I want to go. Little hole in the wall. Okay. Right. If I'm able to pre-program my settings to that, absolutely. But you know what? 
I'm not willing to give franchises any more money. And you, they've you would object to you're driving down a major artery in, in Des Moines here. Yep. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden an ad, a big ad on your on your windshield pops up that says Pizza Hut, ten dollars off any pizza. Okay, I would well, be livid. Well, let's clarify something. First of it's all, it's not on the windshield. It's, it's not on the, the windshield. It's on that. It, it's on the, are you talking about the infotainment system? Okay, infotainment okay. system. Wait, wait. Are they talking about the infotainment system that we're like in front of you? Like that's in the not dash? an infotainment system. Okay, that's so. a dashboard, dear. No, you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, well, isn't there something where they can project stuff up on the window? Right, that's, that's that what is I meant. a heads-up display. Yeah. Okay, and they would not put it there. Okay, that's a safety issue. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I can see that. I yeah, particularly no. if you don't like pizza. <laughs> That could no. be. That oh, could be who dire. doesn't like pizza? There's some people. I've got saying. a child that does not like pizza. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. I'm pretty sure she's a pod person, but it's okay. Oh wow, wow. Here's a question, though. Okay. So, as the article asks, are you annoyed that your car is trying to tell you, sell you something, or pleasantly persuaded? There's annoyed. one. There's one company that's developing in-car advertising software, and they're betting you wouldn't mind much. <laughs> and wait a minute. The car companies are looking to earn some extra money. Hope so, too. But we talked about something like this, oh. where what are they going to do with the times in the autonomous vehicle, uh, you know, with all yeah, of that Yeah, but stop glass. a minute. Stop a minute. We're not even that far. I'm talking about right now. Yeah, no. 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 Right Absolutely. this minute. No. Because, because your car is connected, and there's information going up, coming down. My wife's new vehicle, every time she starts it, it tells her... And you have to press the OK that, you know, some information is going to be transmitted from your vehicle. Oh, yeah. Most new oh. vehicles, you have that warning. Now, in fact, I don't have that warning in my truck. Unless you overrode it. I just, but okay, when, but they, when they delivered the vehicle to me, mm-hmm. it is the way that from that day to today is how it is. Unless they disabled it um, right now. I hope so. Well, let me think about that. Because right now, GM and Ford is not doing it. That's why. Oh, see. Uh, now, but the other automakers kind of are. Okay. Now, are or they, they heading in that direction? Is that say. information coming also from my phone? No. Like, so when it's pitching me a, like what you said, a pizzeria commercial. It knows where your car is. Right. But it's not per- going off of like. The phone, no. Did I order like Papa John's or something like that off of my phone? Correct. Using at the, an app. At this time. Yeah, see. But, you know, with all the information that we have talked, we have talked till we changed colors with regard to cybersecurity, how much privacy you're giving up, what the automakers are looking at and working with vendors right now is maybe offering you more free equipment in return for being able to pitch you stuff. Like, for example, they may give you, offer you navigation for free in your vehicle. It's worth about 1700 bucks. Uh, in exchange for occasional commercials. Now, in Sasha's case, if you can program out or opt out, that would be my question. What if I don't want to be bothered at all? Can I opt out? Um, my research doesn't answer that question yet because this is still kind of evolving. And what I'm wondering is if we're not back to the point of legislations that far behind because at some point in time, somebody's going to sue somebody over this. Could be. Um, but if the automakers are smart, they will, in order to avoid that kind of foolishness, they will get to a point where they'll either allow you to say, okay, either I would entertain um, advertisements or offers from this, this, and this, but not this, this, and this, or 
I want out completely. And that's just ethical business. I want out completely. And that's just ethical business. And I think they have to eventually let you do that. It will not stop, and they make a difference. There's some information that they call as safety information. In other words, uh, vehicle-to-infrastructure vehicle information that both the, your car in position will load up and that the infrastructure will load down. That stuff probably will happen because you want it to for safety reasons. Correct. And then there's this stuff, um, where you're located, uh, what you're willing to accept. Uh, will you accept advertising at all, which is totally different. And we're getting to that point where that conversation is going to need to be had. Finally, and at last, urban congestion and a tale of three cities. And, yes, I mean traffic. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. You're tuned in to Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. To tune in to our behind-the-scenes conversations that we post to our website so that you can see the video of the conversations that happened during the break. The only thing that I wish was we had another camera so we could actually get Sasha in the shot and see her facial expressions. <laughs> Precious. Yeah. It's kind of <clears throat> like those old MasterCard commercials. Yeah. No. Look at Sasha's face. Priceless. Priceless. No, no, Thank no. You. I stay completely off camera. That's It's what's uh -huh. best. Well, As Jack would say, I have a face for radio. Oh, I do too, but look where I'm sitting. I yeah, got, well, you know. I got nothing. Of welcome, course you don't. Welcome to the last installment of this hour Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. When it comes to transportation, we have talked about a wide variety of topics and issues that cover the spectrum. Everything from cars and trucks to self-driving vehicles, flying vehicles, God forbid, and more. I just had an image of Jack in a flying vehicle. It was <laughs> no, I was pretty. thinking more along the lines of Sasha. Even less. Okay. For this last topic, I wanted to spend a bit of time talking about the impact of traffic on three cities and their current approaches to deal with traffic today and the near future. It holds some truths that may indeed be a cautionary tale for large cities here in the United States. See what you think. Okay. Um, this was a New York Times article that was uh, last week. And the title was, Three Far-Flung Cities Offer Clues to Unsnarling Manhattan Streets. Now, when people think of cities and you think of congestion pricing, you typically think of London, right? No, I would have thought of New York City. Yeah, well, New York's been trying to do that, but obviously a lot of pushback. Uh, what they've been proposing that they wanted to do for downtown New York was a flat rate of eleven fifty two a day for cars and twenty five dollars and thirty four cents for trucks for entering what they call a congestion zone in Manhattan, which would stretch oh my goodness, from sixtieth street south to the battery? Yikes. Wow. That's, that's ten that's almost the entire that's thing, ten blocks north of Times Square, all the way down to the battery, where the World Trade Center used to be. Wow. Okay. Yikes. Now granted, I was down there last year. And they need something. I mean, it is just gridlock. And 
like I said before, you're more likely to get hit by a bicycle in Manhattan than you are a car. I mean, I guess my first reaction to that was, well, then I just won't drive down there. But I guess that's what exactly what they're trying to go for. Is to yeah, well, people... you've got in the East Coast, particularly in the Northeast, you have really good, what I consider really good, public transportation. Right. Yeah, you're right. Um, so you can, you can, I mean, I lived in Boston. This is 40 years ago. Back in the day, I didn't own a car for four years. Didn't need one. I could get within 50 miles of the city with no problem, including going out home to see my parents on weekends when my dad didn't pick me up. Mm -hmm. All he had to do was pick me up from where the bus dropped me off, the Howard Johnson's, right off the highway, which is about three or four miles from home. Okay. Okay. No big deal. Now, uh, the cities that they were talking about, Stockholm, Singapore, and London. I'm going to skip around a little bit. Um, Well, before I get to that, uh, I had mentioned... 11.52 11.52 for cars, 25.34 for trucks, and taxi and ride-hailing cars could face a separate charge of $2 to $5 per ride. Wow. What? Have you ever been in Manhattan? No. Uh, they take personal space to a whole new level on the street. I'm talking these guys miss each other literally by inches. It's crazy. Anyway, uh, I wanted to skip. I want to start with Singapore, and I do it for a reason. Singapore was one of the first cities to try congested pricing back in the mid-'70s. Their current plan, uh, they call it now the electronic road pricing system. you got to have an electronic unit and a smart with a smart card, which registers a fee whenever it passes under a network of 80 gantries concentrated in the main business district and along major highways. Notice I met this is the same setup, Illinois uh, Tollway, uh, I-80, I-88. Yeah. I have one. I think it's cool. It works neat. And I pay toll. And it's a direct way into Chicago, so it was worth it. But the way that they price it, the way that Illinois does it, if I use the electric device and prepay, it's half the price of me using cash. Cash is double. Wow. If the toll... If the electronic tolls a buck eighty, it's three sixty with cash. Oh, yeah. Took me a few years to wise up, and uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing because then you get a report of every time you hit the tolls and how much it charged you, all automatic, no beef. Now, in the case of Singapore, thirty-eight cents to four dollars and fifty-seven cents with no fees on Sundays and public holidays. They review the fee four times a year and decide to raise or lower rates. Now, the reason why I jumped to Singapore first, Singapore was the first city in the world to actually launch an autonomous taxi service. They were first about two years ago. They actually have autonomous vehicles over there? Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, granted, it was a five block, it was a 4.5-mile uh, square. Okay. Uh, but they said, based on what they found out, they could reduce the number of private vehicles in Singapore by two-thirds. Well, that would decrease traffic. Yeah. From 900,000 vehicles to 300,000 vehicles. Wow. And they tried, uh, one of the things they tried uh, is congestion pricing. Um Another, Stockholm. I love Stockholm. 
and thought it was awful quiet. I was there, oh, I'm trying to think of when I was there. Four years before they went to, well, actually seven years before they went to uh, congestion pricing. And they said everything turned when the immense traffic effects were seen on the streets. After the first few weeks of implementing it, the traffic didn't return. Traffic entering the congestion zone started dropping immediately to about 350,000 vehicles a day in 2006 from about 450,000 a year earlier or 22% production reduction. They also used gantries and cameras to automatically register vehicles in a 13-mile square congestion zone covering the central city and a major thoroughfare. Vehicles are charged a fee every time they pass one of 18 control points from 6 in the morning to 6 in the 6:30 in the evening on weekdays. Obviously, emergency services and large buses are exempt. Fees vary by time of day with a maximum of $4.36 at rush hour and a cap of $13.07 a day. So there's some opportunities there, uh, and I think that uh, Manhattan may actually adopt some of that. Another hour, is, another hour together has now come to an end. Be sure to tune in next time we do it all over again. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.